right, let's all stand and together we lift up our voices as we sing hymn number 66, To God Be the Glory. To God be the glory, great things he had done, so loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the this morning. Let's open up with a word of prayer and ask the Lord to come and meet with us. Harmon, would you open us in prayer, please? Our Father, we thank you for this day that we can come to your house and worship you. And Father, we thank you that in this country we can do this. And we pray that you preserve this for us. And Father, we pray that you be with the pastor this morning and give him the message that you want us to hear and help us to use it in our hearts. And Father, we pray for those that aren't able to be here this morning because of different reasons and we just pray that you be with them and help them to get the word as well. We thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.
Let's all stand if you're able to and lift up your voice and sing, show us Christ and then living hope. Prepare our hearts, O oh God, help us to receive. Thank you. 
When I thought it was over, now I'm home. Now I'm home. I dance with my family, celebrate with friends. The sun that was lost has come home again. Now I'm home. I am home for Jesus. I am reflection, isn't it, to think and contemplate how that we in our lives, we look in all those different places to find that place of belonging, and really it's not, it's not in all those exterior places that we find our place of comfort and home, it's between us and God, no matter what's going on in our world around us whether it's the instability of our jobs, our families, our economy, our nation, it doesn't matter what it is, we find that place of home when we just draw near to the Lord and He comforts us within, within ourselves. And I try to remind people, you know, oftentimes we think it's everybody else who will make us happy. If I can only find the right job or the right relationship, the right circle of friends, I'll be happy. No, you've got to be happy between you and the Lord. No matter what's going on around you, you need to come home to him. Good to have you in God's house today. I'm going to take you to Psalms 119. Psalm 119. I'm going to take you down verses 97 through 104. Title of my message this morning is The Prophet Found in God's Word. The Prophet found in God's word. Certainly we live in a society today that understands profit and loss. In fact, we're hearing a tremendous amount about inflation, how much things have increased in cost. Thus, how much have we lost in dispensable or spendable income because we are spending it on essentials. I heard an article the other day that the average family in the United States in the last year or so have experienced about a $300 a month expense loss because of inflation. We understand those concepts. Spiritually, there is also profit and loss, sowing and reaping. Those principles are built all the way from Genesis to Revelation. When we come to Psalms 119, which is the longest chapter in your entire Bible, this segment from verses 97 down through 104, it gives us the profit found in the Word of God. It's not talking about monetary profit, it's talking about spiritual profit. And as that song was just being sung and talked about, there's that core within us, that center within us that looks for the plus relationship between us and God coming home to him. And in his word, he builds in all the profitability, the plus sign, the plus end of what we take in through the word of God. Listen as I read it. I want you to hear the profitability, our spiritual profit that we find in the word of God. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from evil ways that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts 
I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. As we come into this text, there are three things I want you to see that God gives to us as a prophet in our lives. First of all, I want you to see that it provides wisdom. Then I want you to see that it provides victory over sin in our lives. And then it provides an idle mind with constructive duty. And I like that third part. Because an idle mind can be, what do they say? The devil's workshop. So God gives us something to offset that. He gives us constructive duty when it comes to God's word. So the first one I told you, it, it provides wisdom. And I want you to look with me, if you would, at verses 98 down through 100. Those few verses right there, we see that wisdom helps us to overcome our present enemies in our lives. And you and I do have enemies. You know, the Bible teaches us that Satan as a roaring lion seeketh whom he may devour. Our children learn that song down in junior church and primary church. They have motions with it and everything. We want them to understand that throughout their lives, there is a hound baying behind them, a lion roaring behind them. They need to be wise and beware because really it doesn't take much for you to find yourself in a very serious place. You've got to understand that righteousness is something we must pursue and we must flee the enemy who would pull us down. So God's word empowers us to overcome our present enemies. In fact, when you look into the New Testament, you find the Lord Jesus Christ when he went into the wilderness and he fasted there for 40 days and 40 nights. How does he respond to his enemy, Satan? He quotes to him Bible. Three times Jesus responds to Satan. Each time he responds with scripture, the power of the sword of the word of God. Certainly when you go to the book of Acts and you look at the apostles in their work and in their ministry, you look at the apostle Paul, when he responds to the Pharisees and Sadducees, he references scripture, Old Testament scripture to, to get them to understand that yes, they may be his enemy, but God is his victor and truth is his sword. So we find that this Bible, it gives us the wisdom to overcome our present enemies. Also, when we look into the scripture, this particular text, verse 99, tells us that it helps us to have greater understanding than our teachers. Listen to what it says in verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. Isn't that interesting? All the way back, all those many years ago, the Bible says when we study the word of God, it gives us greater wisdom than our teachers. Isn't that something? So you and I living today in the year 2022, and we put our little boys and girls on the bus and they go to school, and there they're taught all kinds of philosophical perspectives. A little bit of math, little bit of reading, little bit of science, and lots of social re-engineering. So what happens when those little boys and girls are faced with all these different things where they have to decide, well, what pronoun am I today? So they've got to decide, am I a he, a her, a they, a them? What am I? Who am I? Well, if they've learned that in the Bible, they're either a he or a she, there's not 30 other pronouns that they can be identified with that particular day. Then they are able to be wiser than somebody who's trying to socially re-engineer their whole thinking about even gender or marriage or who knows what. Somehow they learn through the Bible that there are some foundational fundamental truths there really is right and wrong. So here we're looking at the Bible and the Bible is saying to us, if you will learn its principles, then it'll give you the wisdom to be able to address the teachers in the world you live in, whether it's at the time of the book of 
Psalms, or whether it's at the time of you and I today, no matter what people are saying, because it constantly changes. And I think we have to understand that. Because sometimes we think what's today is going to be forever, and it's, it's never. Our culture, our society, what our kids are learning is constantly changing. Because I'll guarantee you, what I was taught as a little boy is not what they're being taught now. So they do need some absolutes. They need some foundational truths. They need some things that are not that slippery surface, that sand that's con constantly shifting under their feet. And God says right here, these truths will enable every generation to be able to have greater wisdom than those who are even teaching them. Look with me down at verse 100 in our text. It says, I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. Isn't it interesting that the Bible takes us from the time of our current teachers to the ancient teachers, the philosophers of ancient days. And sometimes we think to ourselves, well, there really wasn't all that. You know, people were, they were not very educated. They were pretty backwards. Well, actually, that's really not true. There were exceedingly intelligent philosophers going way, way back. The Babylonians had libraries of writings that were burned and destroyed that we don't even know about. They were great philosophers. Great in the sense that they had a lot to say about a lot of things, but maybe not that wise. And so God tells us here, here we are in the book of Psalms. This is written not by your grandfather or your great-grandfather. This is going back a long, long ways. And he says to us, when we study his word, we understand more than the ancients. Because we learn to keep the precepts of God. So you and I, sometimes we wonder to ourselves, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do with all these changing uh, social structures and this, this social war against the values of tradition? What we do is we go back to the manual of truth. And there we, we build a war chest of truth against old wrong philosophies of ancient days leading all the way to today. In our Bible study this morning, during Bible hour at 9.30 this morning, uh, we looked at the scripture where God had told the nation of Israel that they needed to teach their children in, from the time they were rising up to when they were sitting down for lunch as they were going in their way, as they're going about their business in the day, in their laying down and in their rest time, they needed to teach them about the Lord. That means you and I, all the time, it should be woven into who we are. And as we chat and talk and live, our children should be learning the profitability of God's word that will enable them to face their present day enemies. They might be able to have the wisdom to deal with the teachers of social re-engineering all around us. And yes, even the ancient philosophers, they are tooled up, ready to have wisdom. But I told you there's three points found within this. And so I want you to see the second one. And that is that God provides victory over individual sin. You know, People battle all the time their, their weaknesses. It's part of the carnality of mankind. You can go all the way back to Genesis. Go all the way back to the very beginning. Go all the way back to the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, and you find the battle between the carnal and the spiritual. So how do we overcome that? How do we get the victory? How do we face all the sin that bombards us and tempts us and offers to us an alternate way. We go to the word of God. And we find that it enables us to fight the good fight. 
It enables us to recognize that which would be harmful and destructive in our lives. It enables us to see past the temptation. There are some things in our lives that we just have to realize that's not good to go there. Most of you know that I, I have a few beef cows I raise in my backyard. And so I have three right now, got them this spring, and uh, they're growing great. They look great. Man, talk about a fur coat. You ought to see their winter coat. They are doing well. But I noticed that as we got the big heavy snow, when we got the 15 inches of snow the other day, I noticed my cows were not wandering all over the pasture. They had kind of just hunkered down right there at the round bale feeder, the shed, where I keep the water and the grain, very few tracks. Because they know to go wandering and trekking through 15 inches of snow plus drifts takes a lot of energy. It's going to drain them down. And they're not interested in getting drained down. They want to beef up. That's what I call it. Well, you and I in our lives too, all around us, constantly, constantly, there's just an influx of temptation and sin. And we have to understand that as that sin just lays out there, it drains us to go waiting in it. Whatever it may be, whatever your weakness is, we learn to avoid it. And then sometimes there's things out there, they're pretty far out of our reach, but we learn, ah, I shouldn't go there. And the Bible helps us with that. It's like my cows, they look out across and they say, boy, there's some really nice fresh grass on the other side of that electric fence. That looks good. And every once in a while, I'll see one of them walk over there and you know they'll stick their nose right under the electric wire and they're kind of licking out there to get that grass. But they know it's not a good thing to go past. They, they know that there's something that's gonna get their attention if they push too far. Well, the Bible helps us in our lives. It lets us know that there's an electric fence of right and wrong in our lives. And if you go up to that and pass, there are consequences in our lives. Consequences of addiction and hurt, offense, all kinds of things that happen that damage us. And so we pull back away. And that's what God is teaching us in his word. Look with me at verse 101. He says to us, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I've learned. I've learned through the word of God to avoid those things that are just going to pull me down. In fact, the scriptures tell us to flee those things that would so easily beset us because they pull us down. We learn those truths from the word of God. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Because we're always wanting it before we're ready. And God says, no, build up enough strength spiritually so that you can then deal with life. That's why we teach our children from the very onset to know and love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And if you're not teaching them that, you should be. So that you might enable them to be strong and powerful, to find victory over sin in their lives. Matthew 6.33 teaches us that. Proverbs 11.2 teaches us that God hates pride and therefore we should learn to avoid it. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 teaches us to avoid those things like drugs, alcohol, all those things that alter our mind. Why? Because they're bad for us. God wants to help us to get victory. 1 Corinthians 3, 3 teaches us that God disapproves of disunity. Why? 
Because when we work together, we find cooperation and cohesion. But when we're divided, there becomes all that conflict. So in our homes, what should we pursue? Unity. What should we flee? Disunity. So how do we get unity? We sit down, we talk together, we pray together, we, we communicate, we find compromise, we work it out. But once one decides, I'm no longer going to talk it out, I'm no longer going to compromise, I'm no longer going to work on it, then you have complete disunity. So we find the scriptures teach us, and, and it addresses that disunity in 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 19, the Apostle Paul very boldly approaches the idea of promiscuity. You know, we live in a society today where it says, try it. If it feels good, do it. Deal with the consequences later. You can take an, a pill to abort a baby, or you can go to a clinic to abort a baby. Don't worry about it. You can deal with that later. But then after that, you have to deal with all the heartache, the sorrow, the regret. So God teaches us. He teaches us to avoid promiscuity, avoid infidelity, avoid those things that are going to create betrayal and heartache. He does that for our own good. So we learn that, yes, according to verse 101 in our text and verse 104, listen to what it says. Through thy precepts. I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. We learn to recognize those things that are just not true. I was talking to somebody the other day who uh, was telling me, who's we were talking about all the commercials about alcohol, beer, wine, all that stuff, and how glamorous it makes it look it just looks so amazing i mean it looks like you're going to have better relationships you're definitely going to go to some amazing destinations if you just go ahead and do beer and wine and hard liquor you know you you certainly will be much you will have so much more money you'll be able to dress better and look better and the opposite sex will think you are the hottest thing if you only drink beer, wine, and hard liquor. But I can tell you, I grew up not in a Christian home. And my parents, they were heavy drinkers, heavy partiers. Dad ended up with the whole Alcoholics Anonymous thing. You know, he ended up in a detox place for a month or so. I've witnessed it and seen it. I've seen the crying jags. I've seen the fights about how much money they didn't have to pay bills because they bought alcohol. I've seen the parties where it turned into fist fights, tables flipped, police called. You know what I never saw growing up with all that going on? I never saw a tropical destination. <laughs> I never saw my parents after a long, hard night Wake up looking beautiful. <laughs> By the time I was in my late teens, I had realized this is not the way I want. That's a false way. It's a false way. The Bible has taught me and reminded me over and over again that yes, absolutely, the way of the Lord is the way that I wanted to live because I really didn't want to waste my money on all the other things that just beat you down. So verse 104 says, through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your Bible is a Bible that offers to you profit, life profit. Years ago, when I was pastoring in Kansas, I had a, a gentleman who had gone into the hospital. He had had horrific, um, oh, high cholesterol. His, he, he talked about it that his, his blood was like mud. So he went in, they worked on him, they got him better. 
I had gone up to the hospital, visited with him, led him to Christ. So he stopped at my house on the way back from the hospital in Kansas City. And we sat and chatted, him and his wife and, and Sandy and I. And as we were chatting, he was talking about receiving Christ and changing his life. And he looked at me, he told me, he says, Pastor, you would never believe how much money I spent on cigarettes and alcohol. He said, I'm not even going to tell you how much I spent. But he said, it's far more than any tithe that any Christian has ever given. And he told me, I'm all done with that. He almost died. Almost died because of just bad lifestyle. His wife was weeping. She was moved and touched. Listen, the Bible teaches us that there is great profit to be found in the word of God. To give us victory over those sins in our life that would just tear us down. When you go through the Old Testament, the scriptures teach us that from father to son up to the third and fourth generation, so our sins pass on. In fact, four times it tells us that in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 5, 9 says, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Why do pastors like me, Bible-believing preachers who open the book and tell you that within here are the truths that can benefit and change your life? Why do we, why do we tell people to stay away from those things that harm them? It's not just for you. It's for your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids. It's for those generational sins that pass on and on and on. You know, people talk about pastors moving. Preachers oftentimes, I think the national average is about five years. And that takes in all denominations. Five years. Preachers come. They preach. They move on. Why? Sometimes it's because it's really discouraging to help mom and dad work through their sins and then see them pass it on to their kids and be there long enough to now try to help that. Then for it to pass on to the third generation. And when you've pastored in the same place for 33 years, there are, there are things that break my heart. Because I know that what, what these guys never got victory over, now their kids are struggling with. And because they never got victory, now their kids are struggling over it. God warns us. He says in the Bible, he says, listen, know and love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Teach your children from your rising up to your going to bed. Teach them the truths that will protect them and help them. That they might find victory over those sins. That way it doesn't pass from the third and fourth generation. But instead there's victory to be found. But I told you there's three things in this text. It provides, God's word provides for us wisdom. It provides for us victory over sin, the tools that we might find victory. And then the third one is, it provides an idle mind with constructive duty. My kids learn to never say to me, I'm bored. <laughs> and to be honest with you, sometimes people at the church too, they will say to me, I know never to tell you that this or this or this, because you're going to say, do you want to volunteer? <laughs> My kids knew that if, I, if they said to me, we're bored, Dad, I'd say, okay, I've got projects for you. And I always have a list of projects. I, I encourage you, if you're sitting around your house and you're bored, call me. <laughs> I will help you find something to do. So when we look in the Bible here, God says his word gives our idle mind something to do. Listen with me, if you would, as I read verse 97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my what? 
meditation all the day. Well, that meditation is your mind. It's your mind and your heart engaged into the things of God that you have learned. You're thinking upon how that God is at work in your life. The wonders of his creation all the way to the amazement of eternity and prophecy. The all the applicable truths contained in there. You sit down and you think to yourself, wow. That is so true and it is so good and it's so right. And you meditate upon those scriptures. Look with me at verse 102. It says, I have not departed from thy judgments for thou hast taught me. Remembering what God has taught us that we might learn not to depart from it. Our mind, in order for us to remember, we've got to go back and look. This week, uh, last a week ago Saturday, I think it was, I had, I had a gentleman come and sit down in my office. We did a little Bible study together. And, you know, most of the time, I'm very busy doing a million other things. It's so great to just sit down and say, all right, let's look. Let's look at this subject in the Bible. Let's talk about it. Let's look at these verses. Let's address this. I love that. Because it is a mental exercise on truths that I learned years and years ago and need to remind myself in. Be good for you to do too. To go ahead and look at some situation in your life. And go ahead and do a research in your Bible and, and check it out. Refresh your mind of the things you've learned. Look at verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. We have a little bit of a difficulty in our generation, in our time, really understanding the impact of that text. Because for us, sweetness is commonplace. In fact, we have a difficulty with too much sweet, don't we? I was talking to Rachel just yesterday or the day before, and uh, they, they give the kids these little banana nut breads for snack time. And she told me, she said, Pastor, I looked at the sugar content and that one little banana nut bread. And I think she told me it was 28 grams of sugar in there. And I'm a diabetic, so I try to avoid all those kind of things anyways. But I thought to myself, oh, they're little kids, 28 grams. What's 28? They'll burn that out walking from the bathroom to the preschool. You know, she said, no, pastor, 28 grams. That's, that's a lot of sugar. We're so used to sweet that we really don't know what it is to not have sweet. But at this time in history, they didn't have corn corn syrup. They didn't have cane sugar. These folks, when they're looking for sweet, they're looking for honey. So they're doing things to add that sweetness where they can find it. And it is rare, costly, and oftentimes you get it at a cost because you get to persuade those bees to give it over. So when you look at this text and he says to us, how sweet are the words of the word of God unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Something rare, something precious, something that when you taste it, you think, wow. Something we've taken for granted and become so accustomed to. And I think sometimes we do the Bible that way too. You see, every one of us has a printed Bible. We are a very spoiled generation in the, in the generations of time. You know, in my house, we have more than one Bible. In fact, Sandra Jo is almost a collector of Bibles. We'll pick up Bibles around the church and I'll say, if my first thought is, is this Sandra Jo's Bible? We are so spoiled. It's kind of like sweetness. We take it for granted. The other day I was at the store buying supplies for the church. 
and I came across Diet Cherry Coke. And I thought, now that's worth trying. So I bought myself a little box of Diet Cherry Coke, put it up in the office area so I can keep it cold in the fridge up there. And I mean, it tastes sweet, but it has no sugar. Now, who in the world knows what else is in there? And I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but it tastes sweet. We're surrounded by sweet, just like we're surrounded by the word of God. And if we're not careful, we take it so for granted, we forget how good it is. We forget how good it is. And as we look into this, he reminds us that this Bible provides our idle mind with something productive to do. Meditate upon his word. Remember its teachings. And just savor its sweetness in our lives. We do live in difficult times. Not more difficult than other generations. Certainly people have faced much harder times than we are facing today. But for our generation in our time, it is a struggle. We're all desperate to get past this COVID craziness. We're all confused by the social wars, the, 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 the craziness that's taking place in our society. Five-year-olds, four-year-olds being asked when they get to school, what pronoun do you want to be recognized by? At four or five years old? Prepubescent children deciding whether they're going to get injections to change their sexual identity. What has happened to the mind of grown-ups in the world we live in today? It is an odd and crazy day that we live in. But we have truth. And that truth we can hide in our heart. That we might enjoy the profit of what God offers to each and every one of us. It's one of the benefits of being a Christian. In the world of investment, you and I, we can go ahead and buy a, a 401k or a 403b. You know, we can invest in our retirement. But if you are the uber rich, they have a whole nother level of investment opportunities that you and I will probably never reach in our lifetime. Maybe unless you are Harmon or somebody, just crazy, <laughs> you know. We understand that in the world, there are opportunities that are sometimes very hard to reach. This is not hard to reach. This is an opportunity for every one of us as Christians to experience the maximum profitability of life. Taking it, embracing it, meditating on it, applying it, that we might enjoy what God offers to us. Bow your heads with me if you would, please. As we come to the end of our service, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring us to a close, to a place of prayer. And I wanna challenge you right where you are while your head is bowed. I'm not gonna do an invitation where I bring you to the front or offer for you to come to the front. But right where you are right now with your eyes closed and with you looking in your heart, would you with me this morning covenant to learn to love your Bible more? Covenant with me to taste the sweetness again covenant with me to let it empower you and tool you to deal with the struggles and troubles of life. Let's pray. Father, I come before you and Lord, I thank you and praise you for your word. And Lord, I know just like we are so accustomed to sweetness that we almost don't recognize it anymore. I know that sometimes that's how we treat your word. 
We're so exposed. We own multiple Bibles in our homes and they sit and some of them gather dust to our shame. Lord, help us to love again. All the precepts, all the truths. Help us to apply it. To me, more than hearers, doers of your word. And please help us to teach the next generation. They're in a warfare that is unlike anything I ever experienced as a child. Every value, every moral precept that I took for granted as a child, they are being challenged with. I pray that you would help us to teach the next generation. And as we get ready to leave this place, I just pray that you would stir each of our hearts to recognize and to love the value, the profitability of your word. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Let's all stand. John is going to lead us in a song, kind of our closing song. I've already prayed our dismissal prayer. Pray with Brother John and then we will be dismissed. Oh, for a thousand times to sing my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrow cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health. dismissed this morning.